Welcome to Questopedia, a character and world building podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bodley. And I am Jake Bush. And as the British say, it's the grand final. I actually don't know if all <laughs> British people say, but that's what they say on Taskmaster. Grand final instead of grand finale. Um, it. I love how much of your identity as a person, Brian, is dictated by Taskmaster. I mean, I do love Taskmaster. I, I am the Taskmaster <laughs> in a small group of Taskmaster players, so um yeah um the the last episode of the season um where we do things a little differently and we don't really know exactly what that is we put together like a potential outline but basically the idea is we want to sort of put a bow on the last 12 episodes um that represent sort of a year in the in the life of the people of shivalo and so we are going to sort of go back to some of our favorites uh, our favorite characters or our characters that had sort of lingering like undefined endings um and sort of plots and so we've kind of made a game out of it we've like we've we've kind of invented a game as we went the whole time but we're kind of doing it backwards this time rather than saying here is the adventure we're going on let's make characters to go on that adventure um for this episode it will be we're all going to pick some previous adventure that we brought to the to the podcast and we're going to pick one of our previous characters that we want to follow up on and we will figure out how are they all connected? How are those three like plot lines connected? Uh, and then how are those three characters going to respond to it? We'll do our normal success roll and we will see how it turns out. Well, before we even do that, uh, we talked about doing a quick recap of all the episodes leading up to here. Yes. Um, just because potentially you could just be joining in and see oh the finale i should definitely listen to that episode first i should definitely listen to that episode first uh so we're looking out for those people with that kind of logic in their mind but also maybe you have followed on the journey but there's just a lot of journeys to follow along this will yeah. help you catch up this will help you understand some of the nuances you might have missed and it helps us to decide which character we want to take i think with us i think it's mostly for our benefit because if you're listening to the podcast these 12 episodes came out over the course of what seven weeks we recorded them over the course of seven months maybe um we were slow starting so it's been a while since we've done some of these so so it's kind of like yeah i, I like the idea of it just as like a trip down memory lane sort of and if it's if it's garbage to listen to then you didn't hear this part either correct okay cool um let's do it so first episode um the wild wild down this was my episode this was uh noble harrison starting his saloon down in reach in sort of a wild west themed area uh and there were some moon dust bubbles coming out of the ocean come about to hit shore and we had to save the city from being destroyed by them uh this was before we started rolling for things and so we just did it we were successful we did it anything we want to bring up on this one before we move on just that it was the birth of the greatest character ever created. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into it. What is your character there, Jake? This was uh, the the beginning of uh, Jed Amright. Your love for this man himself just to people. 
oozes out of your voice. <laughs> like See, you are that's that's why I say this is Jake's self-insert character. If robots <laughs> ever get to like Westworld levels where you can just like create <laughs> persona and just adopt them, Jake's going to make this character into a real person and just have it as his personal friend who follows him everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yes, I I, I don't want to I could take up the whole episode just, you know, talking about all his greatness, but um yeah. Oh, so you're saying nothing. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I could say a lot of things. And then you just said his name and stopped. Insert your own imagination into why he's so great. Oh, okay. Basically because he is, it's, 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 he is the great, I mean, an unfulfilled character of limitless potential. And (laughs) he basically is a radish rancher. He, loves his two dogs more than anything in this world he'd be a gunslinger um but he, he lost his kids and now he's just settled down into a boring life and he uh there's just so much under the surface that um you know got explored a little bit here and there but yeah. i feel like i'm you know i still need to write like the 12 part series for real i mean the reason jake is being so vague is even though jadam right was killed he's gonna find a way to bring him back in Whoa, this episode. spoilers for when i talk we talk about it in a few episodes <laughs> yeah so that's why i call him a great tragic character for the people who did watch or did listen to the episodes previous they already know that but for people yeah. who just joined in on the finale that's what you get for joining he's gonna die in a few uh, jake broke the rule that we had established <laughs> arbitrarily at the beginning of not repeating characters until the finale and he jumped the gun and hence jed had to die <laughs> Um, I'll also say real quick about my character. I had basically inserted him wherever I could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my character for this episode was Matthew McCona was his first name. And then, Hey, and what's up? Because he's, uh, a centaur and he was the sheriff of the town. Um, that's where we came up with the phrase. Hey, and what's up is this world's hail and well met essentially. That's right. Hey, and what's up, which we haven't really stuck with, but, uh, maybe we will at some point. Um, my guy's Noble Harrison. I already said he's starting a saloon. He's sort of a, a business bro, maybe is how I describe him. He's sort of a, a dude out on the Wild West, dresses like a cowboy. He's all hat, but no cows, I think is the saying. And that's all I have to say about <laughs> Noble Harrison. Um, I'll just jump us up, get the pace going a little bit faster after that long soliloquy of nothingness. That was the background of <laughs> Jadam, right? Um, the next quest was Dark Vine Swamp. We journeyed into the swamps uh, that were, uh, for whatever reason, right next to the desert. But that's what I decided. Um, Had to go find the mysterious events that were going on there. My character for that was a Triton druid named Robert Jaws Jaworski. Looks like Robert Shaw from Jaws, hence the name. Um, Yeah, he's just he's just good plant killer. Nice. My character was um, Artemisia. She was a, a turtle druid. And she lived in the swamp, and then she she basically came to protect the swamp from you guys uh, invading. But then when we found out that the bad guy was the big evil tree, we decided that they were like a rival clan, I guess, in the swamp. And so she was like, yeah, let's kill this guy. Okay, so on episode three, my episode, what I was about to say was I'm starting to notice this pattern that something that I really enjoy is just wordplay. Because I think the most memorable thing about episode three was that it ended up being called 
Orange Julius's drink. <laughs> yeah. Because the uh, bartender at the saloon, we decided that he basically was the inventor of the Orange Julius because his name was Orange Julius. Right. And it was a hard and, Orange uh, Julius. And it yes, was saving the people. Exactly. Yeah. There was a mysterious illness and the alcoholic Orange Julius was saving everyone's lives. And my character, Gorgon Ramsheep, reverse engineered the beverage. And come to think of it, we never really revisited to see how that was going. Because I remember that left off on, it was a mixed result. And it was like, we now know how to produce the beverage as long as we have supplies for it. But we yeah. don't know how to stop the needing it. Yeah, that was sort of like hanging in the balance. And then we, because we had ended that, that three episode arc, we moved across the pond. Yeah. So that that could be a one to, to tie in somehow if we want to wrap that up. Yep. Um, episode four was Across the Pond. So this is our first one in uh, Nidex, uh, where we had our character Hallie, uh, and she is a an Asimar who was trying to rescue her pet Brontosaurus from the circus and in, and uh, enlisted the help of you two. I almost said gentlemen. That's yeah. not true. Um, I noticed that you and I, Brian, skipped our characters would... from the third episode, but you know what? That's okay. Oh. <laughs> Let, no. No, nope, yep, we did pass. We're just going to keep going. Uh, my character for the, and it'll okay. be a mystery. You have to go listen to the episode and find out who they were. Um, I, I... Wow. We're really, we're really finally getting people who listened to episode 13 <laughs> to finally go back and listen yep. to episode three. It was all this is awesome. Okay, um, cool. Let's keep going. then. So yeah, my character in this one was Rudabager Baggins. He calls himself rude. He has a very rudimentary vocabulary. You might say. Whoa, is that intentional? Um, and no, it wasn't. But I found that joke as I was looking at it. I also it. don't think you said it on the episode, so I'm glad we went back to it. Yeah, th this is why we recap. You find the little nuggets Perfect. that were lost. Um, yeah, he was a ghostwise, uh, not a ghostwise halfling, just a stout halfling, I believe. Um, it was a Beastmaster Ranger. He had a pet pterodactyl. And yeah, he was friends with dinosaurs everywhere. And this is the first episode where we integrated dinosaurs into what we were, we were doing. yeah and it's also the first episode we had two feral children yes mine was still a child and yours was grown up but we were both feral children it was a nickelodeon show that's for sure yeah with our babysitter whose name whose actual character name i, I literally don't <laughs> remember uh, it was a play on his character's name in Jurassic park Mal in malcolm uh, yeah so key key and dalcrum key and malcolm or something I'm pretty like sure it was Kian Melkrum. Yeah, I feel like I changed the... All right, episode five. Yep. Uh, let me tell you about episode five, most dangerous game, um, where we did a Survivor knockoff. And I really convinced you guys that I was a huge Survivor fan, even though I've seen maybe half of three episodes total. Did you convince us of that? I thought you just told us you were I tricked you at first. You thought oh, I was okay. into it. Um, my character for this was Boston Rob Rock, uh, one of the, the more popular, maybe not popular, but more uh, well-known Survivor contestants. Uh, he was a tiefling Hexblade warrior. Uh, he was trying to undermine the tiefling cult that was performing these games. I think his name was uh, Def Propes or uh, oh, Pef Propes. Yeah, it was some kind of fun Jeff Propes reference. He, he's going to do a secret reveal 
today that his name is actually just Jeff Probes. He is the same Jeff Probes. Oh, okay. that, <laughs> and he's from Earth. And he's it's a human. my way of getting around the the tweak to his name that I've already forgotten. It's just Jeff Probes. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we had nice. to make our way through a survivor competition. The problem was we failed really terribly. So Boston Rob Rock ended up yeah. betraying both of you and killing your characters, which was most unfortunate for Jake's character because this was the first time you tried to sneak Janae yeah. right back in. Did Boston Rob Rock also die? I thought he died. He died. I thought the other tieflings killed him. for Because I got a quick yeah, okay. fail. So I figured the only way to do That's it right. was he tried to betray you two to Everyone gain died. favor with the tieflings again. They're like, uh-uh-uh. You're dead too, and they killed him. What was Jed's fake name on this episode? Jed's fake name was um, it was like General William Jones or something. It was basically the most yeah. generic thing I could come up with, and it was revealed that he was Jed, and was because he finally decided to take up his sidearms again because he had found his purpose again. It was like the beginning of his massive arc, and <laughs> the reason behind it was that his dog got dog napped. And somebody kidnapped Wesson, and then he died in the mud, and Wesson is still out there. Wesson is still out there. Um, needing to be rescued. Uh, that'll be like the Patreon bonus arc where we play as dogs. <laughs> uh, and my character was ahead, yeah. weirdly connected to yours because he delivers babies and was the one who delivered your dogs to you when they were born. <laughs> um, so he was like a yeah. very chipper you know, Jack Brayer style, uh, very happy Aarakocra, a uh, stork Aarakocra life cleric um, who delivers babies and then was murdered and died in the mud with General or with with Jed Amright. Uh, and they had a very deep, meaningful last second connection of realizing that he delivered his dogs. Yep. All right. Episode six. Oh, OK. Yeah. So this was the one where it was like sort of a scenario where pirates had taken over this really important lab that was filled with uh volatile moon dust that was under a high amount of pressure and you had to press a button every 108 minutes <laughs> to release the pressure or else the place would explode and um my character was wow i'm like we gotta take like we gotta take better notes for this one. dom was it dom dom it was tom cruise ba i'm looking at a picture based... of tom cruise here oh yes 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 dom yes. hughes it was he was based on tom it was cruise. Dom hughes Yep, yep, Dominic Hughes. And I believe that we all, we had some pretty epic like action oh, yeah. adventure shenanigans in that one. And We invented and motorcycles and then jumped them off a ramp. Uh, Houston recited some poems. Yep. I would say a big reason for our success was because of Trevor Newman, the, the gnome who looks like Elrond from Lord of the Rings, but he's a gnome who very, very artfully gave a non-rhyming couplet poem to... Uh, the bad guys and distracted them while you guys went and did your whatever your your stunt work shenanigans uh yes. i would say trevor spelled c-h-r-e-v-r -E for those of you who are not familiar with gnome spelling and played a vital role in that i'd like to give him a pat on the back nice um and the one who actually did all the work was edward satara who i don't i don't ever put i don't think i pointed out how clever his name was because there wasn't like a moment for it but there is now his name's Ed Cetera, <laughs> which I think is fun. Um, and he's the, the nerdy guy who had been fired from uh, Moon, which is the name of this, this company, we decided. Um, he got fired, but he knew the systems better than anyone, and he went in and uh, 
once once all of the people got him the entrance with their action and their poetry, he got in and actually did the work. Well, the thing that I was going to say in regards to episodes, I mentioned a couple times that I have this weird knack for creating characters that complement each other or share certain things in uh, like yeah. really um, coincidental ways. And it just now clicked for me that this was the first episode that involved a lot of science. And my character was based on Tom Cruise. And your character was based on a character named Elron, like Elron Hubbard. <laughs> so I think this was the Scientology episode. People don't talk enough about how Elrond sounds like Elrond Hubbard. I think you're onto something. Exactly. Like... I didn't make the connection until just now. Yeah. Okay, let's jump over to episode seven. Okay. Episode seven, the independent city of Dark City. Probably the probably the most vibe heavy episode. So this is our cyberpunk city uh, called the independent city of Dark City. Um, and we had a we had some fantasy drugs that we established on that episode. And my uh, my character, Captain Owen Tryhard, was the uh, kind of dirty cop who uh, who had to go tra trace down the uh, the missing drugs and figure out what was going on. And yeah. Um, if you ever wondered if Dayman from Always Sunny in Philadelphia could have an epic backstory of a fantastical medieval nature, then you would love this episode because I made Charles Damon, who is by night uh, a pub bird lawyer, pub owning bird lawyer, Eric Cochra lawyer, you might say, named Charles Damon, but by day he is the vigilante Dayman. Uh, and he helped save the day. That's for sure. Are there birds? Are there birds? You you feel you, you like it felt like when you said bird lawyer, you had to change bird to Aracocra. Are there birds? Uh, I said Aracocra lawyer I mean, because are... he is an Aracocra. Ah, yeah. Um, so it, that was like a specific character detail. Uh, that's a good. It question. doesn't change my question. Are there birds? Are, are birds real? Are there birds other than Aracocra? I think. Are Eric Hooker bird people, or are, are they just like that? I think we'll have to wait and find out. I don't think we resolve it yet. I feel like we had an actual conversation on we this exact did. topic, because we kept referring to them as storks, <laughs> and then Houston would be like, no, they're Eric Hooker. And I was like, okay, but, but you know. No, I think we said storks. And then we're like, well, are there just storks? No, in, in the first episode, we said, you know, we talked about the stork bringing the baby for the dogs, and then that is what got me thinking, yes. but... Like that is the reason I made a stork Aracocra in a later episode, but I don't know if we really established are there birds or not. I think we have to assume there are birds. There we are but, established uh, that there are uh, stokras, stork Aracocras. Yeah, there, there are. There are yeah. storkras. I like the idea that there are Aracocras and there are storks and there are no other birds that have been discovered <laughs> today. Yeah, if, if anyone ever mentions another bird on the podcast, it'll be like, whoa, new discovery. There are other flying animals. <laughs> well, and pterodactyls. Species slash. Oh, that's true. Races. Pterodactyls are, are I basically they, birds. I yeah. think because pterodactyl is just a long name, they just call pterodactyls birds. <laughs> and there aren't other birds. Yep. Or there might. We will leave it open. This is not the time nor the place. Um, All right, Jake, who's your, your quick, character? Quick comment on, in, on my, my. Yeah. Yeah. So my character from that episode, um, I do. I do recall again. I think I just get it obsessive about wordplay but his name was richard black and that got shortened to rick black but then he was given the name click clack because he had metal rings and he was kind of a tweaker and drug user and he was always clicking and clacking his rings everything 
Okay, cool. Episode eight. Um, this was where we had the Foghorn Musical Festival. Uh, sponsored or brought to you by Sergeant Maxwell Pepper. And yes, did I go through and try to find a spell that matched to a Beatles song? And that <laughs> was the criteria for the only bard spells I could pick? Better believe that's the kind of commitment I put into this character. Um, anyway, Sergeant Maxwell Pepper, uh, try and distract uh, the the people uh, from the the dark drug addled events of Dark City. Uh, he put together this concert festival up on, in Bright City, which is right above it, uh, on land, not in the grotto that is Dark City. Uh, but it went terribly, terribly misaligned its intentions because turns out cuckoo Kachoo, he was the walrus who was the bad guy attempting to uh, sabotage the concert he just wanted to pull everyone in and then with the assistant of jake's character which you can get into you can pick up the details from here yeah so this was really when it started to get kind of weird in creating complementary characters by accident <laughs> because all i knew beforehand was the premise was a music festival I created a character named Coco Goslo, who was literally based on Yoko Ono. She basically ended up ruining everything for everyone because she was in love with uh, Sergeant Maxwell Pepper, who, you know, was the front man of this band based on the, the Beatles. So that was weird. That was weird. Or it was destiny. Or it was destiny. And, there, and they were terrorists in the end. I think because Houston rolled three crit fails in a row. Yeah. I try to redeem myself from the last crit fail and I tried yeah. to cheat the system and the system said, uh-uh, this is a crit fail episode. Yeah, exactly. And she uh, murdered a lot of people with exploding, exploding pieces. Sure did. Yeah. Okay. And, oh, and my character was unrelated. My, my character was the only thing that was not uh, <laughs> Beatles related at all. Uh, she was a she was part of the mob down in Dark City, but came up to accompany the the boss's son who played in a ska band at the Bright Festival or the Foghorn Festival. And uh, she had the most sort of ambiguous ending. Like, I don't think we really knew what happened with her. <laughs> she she rolled some kind of I think she was the only one that rolled anything positive. So I think we established that she survived, but not like, I don't know. I think she maybe ended up in the ocean for some reason. I feel like it was it ended up being kind of fitting that like she wasn't super like wasn't super memorable because Houston and I created this duo of characters that was like kind of the counterculture yeah. character. And then your character was just the man. Well, she worked for the mob the woman in this case, which is the man That's in true, dark city, like, the, like an but authority yeah. figure. Yeah, she was like the authority figure who just ended up in the ocean for some yes. reason. And maybe we'll figure something about what happened to her um episode nine this is the one that when i was trying to like take notes like after the fact i could not remember anything about your yeah. characters <laughs> okay and and i think i think i know why because I, I i just looked mine up because i had to re i had to go back and reference mine was billy werner because he was based on will turner and this was supposed to be the big <laughs> okay. swashbuckling pirate adventure but i think the reason that none of us really remember much about it was because we did so poorly that it was essentially over before it ever and for you guys, I think, I think my guy did okay. I think of, I did good yeah. too. I think we yeah. saved the day, Brian. I think it was just you. I think you just crashed my boat. Yeah, you're right. It was something like that. Yeah. It was just me. I remember Zam Sardom, the psychic centaur sorceress, who was my character, performing very admirably with her singing charisma and basically just counter siring 
sirens that were spreading the curse. Uh, unless your character had anything so, else to contribute to it, I think Sam was the hero of this episode. Yeah, I think uh, I think my character yeah. was the guide, integrity, Teddy slash Moon Barrel slash Integrity slash mm. Escape slash Fathom's Tentacle. Those were his names. Was there a reason for that? Because I do not wow. recall this at all. He 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 got body swapped and he got uh, accidentally warlocked, tricked into a warlock's curse, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So he. Moonbarrel was his original name. He was a halfling. Or Teddy was his Teddy Moonbarrel was his first name. Uh was his original name. Uh Integrity was the name of the one who swapped with him. Escape was the street name of the tabaxi who swapped with him. Fathom Cynical was what the warlock patron called him as a warlock. Wow, that that Pretty is wild. a rich tapestry. Yeah. Just a name. Exactly. Episode 10? Uh yeah, that's you, Brian. Kick us off. Okay, I, I just said that. I, I paused because you were still typing. Oh, so gotcha. Episode 10, um, Interstate 1. So we established sort of a no man's land between the Republic and the Kingdom. Um, it was all about sort of a, a bridge crossing that had been taken over by rabid radishes. Uh, and we had to sort of take care of that situation. My character was Lucy Lawless. <laughs> I forgot her <laughs> name was just Lucy Lawless. And she uh, ran, a, ran a sort of company running not running, but, but uh, sort of guiding people across and sort of taking shipments across this inhospitable uh, landscape. And uh, then, so she was very motivated to take out, clear out this bridge and make, make a way. Um, With the help of? Yeah, this one, uh, I feel like this was the one where not only were Jake and I in sync, but we were also directly antagonistic towards each other with our characters. Yeah, I didn't remember you being in yes. sync at all in this one. Uh, yeah, we were like, we were, we we were complementary in how uh, out of sync yeah. we were. We were we were like born antagonists. I guess the in sync was we were on the same wa- same wavelength of what to do with the story. We were not in unison as far as how <laughs> we wanted to resolve it. Let me tell you about Patrick Snow, Patrick with an H, because. All I remember about this is that apparently Patrick's a funny Patrick name. Patrick is a funny name. That's what we learned about Houston on this Unless episode. Unless you change the K <laughs> oh, yeah. at the end to an H, then it looks kind of regal in medieval fantasy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Patrick with an H. Uh, he was a beast hide shifter uh, who normally a cannibal. Not, no. Let me scratch it. That, that was... Subliminal messaging. He's not a cannibal. He just is a carnivore. Just regular carnivore. It's a, it's a weird thing to say about someone who's not a cannibal. No cannibalism <laughs> involved with this character. Oh, sorry. I I accidentally referenced cannibalism again. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at a picture of Leif Schreiber from uh, the Wolverine movie uh, because that's who I envisioned. And he looks like he could be a cannibal. I think that's Fair. what made me go that direction. Uh, but no, when he rages, though, he is a barbarian. Um, he is a plant war. Not a herbivore, a plant war. Because he he doesn't just eat plants, he destroys them, just shreds them apart, which was in how they went about fighting these evil radishes, but that was in direct opposition to Jake's character, wasn't it? It was, because my character had a deep, deep love for all plant life. And she wanted to defend it with all her heart. And so her plan was just to go out and have a conversation with these uh, with these plants and see if they would maybe move out of the way for them. 
Um, and then when things turned violent, she was not happy about that. And I was also very excited about the name that she had, which was Aurora Florialis. Yes. And uh, she uh, was based on the singer named Aurora, who is a Norwegian mystical woodland like fairy yeah, exactly type vibe girl artist and uh i do feel like there there was also leftover potential from that whole interaction because i distinctly remember that my character swore vengeance there upon was maybe a Patrick curse placed on someone if i remember right it was either a curse or she just like swore vengeance like this like this wasn't the last that he would be seeing of her i'm glad we're doing this review because i think this is showing like next season Next season, we will have better, <laughs> better notes. We'll know what happened. Um, for these last couple of episodes, we actually do have hopefully better notes um, that we took as we were recording. So it's good. 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 Good stuff. Correct. Okay. Episode 11. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you about episode 11. This is where we had uh, Professor Blossom Block out a crew to investigate a reverse meteor that was happening in Suprega. Yeah, you've heard about meteors, how they come from space, hit the ground, big boom. What about big boom, shoot into space? It's a reverse meteor. Yeah, that's what was happening. And so they had to go and investigate the space that was created underneath the meteors. We got into the Thunderdark which is the Underdark, but with lightning and thunder going on all the time. It's a little spooky, a little scary. Uh, there's also the Under Thunderdark, which we have yet to explore in a later episode. But that's where my character was from. Yeah. Uh, let's start with your character, Brian. I'll get back to mine. Okay. Um, yeah, he was uh, he was just below the Earth, and he was another Little Mermaid story, along with uh, Jaworski. Um, but he was just the underground version, so the underwater version. He was an Earth elemental which i think i named claude like i think the species i named claude um because i wanted it to be something more than just like a genasi that that like has some parts to that element i wanted it to actually be an elemental but be able to be a character as well um so that's rochefort uh and he 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 was banished i believe or he left he he did not like his kingdom he was like a, he was a noble and so he left and he was gonna he's like i'm gonna help the the humans or the not the humans the people uh, on the surface uh settle in these sinkholes that they've never been um, in. and if i remember correctly and i do because this was a prevailing soundbite throughout the whole episode he does speak like a thwomp and a womp <laughs> he does he can only well he yeah he he made he has a oh, full yeah. language <laughs> but what what has been able to be understood by the people on the surface is just yes and no which are represented by the womp and the thwomp sounds. you will insert the noises at that point there we go. Uh, <laughs> now I, now uh, I recall everything. So it, it's funny that you did a dig at the Earth Genasi uh, because that was my character. Uh, he's only kind of an Earth elemental, um, but that was Moon Jordan. Um, he yeah. was <laughs> had a lot going on for him. Uh, in a nutshell, he's a fake Michael Jordan who looks like Michael Jordan. Used that to swindle people out of money. Has a fake shoe line. Um, has been canceled and banished from society and so now he's just a spelunking guide um and that's why he got on this trip to the thunderdark what's your character jake so i went a pretty different direction from both of you on this one um but i was pretty happy with how it turned out because my character was um basically a meteor scientist and the whole reason that he got invited on this adventure is that 
they had determined that it was easier to train a meteor scientist <laughs> to spelunk than to train a spelunker to understand meteor science. And uh, his name was Jerry F. Lamper, which was direct reference to the character Bruce Willis played in a certain movie. Called <laughs> You're being coy about it because you have also That's not ob- seen obviously what it is. Right. That's why, yes, I remember now because there was there was there came a point in the episode where I had to admit to the audience that I made this character having never watched the movie Armageddon. I can't believe you never made a Moonrise Kingdom. You were like bouncing all around Bruce Willis and never like never referenced Moonrise Kingdom. Here's the thing. Here's wow. the thing. I know Isn't that weird. Well, I guess know I, I know what I'm doing next season is pretty well known. But Moonrise Kingdom is not like the general consensus i feel like it's not like the oh yes that's like quintessential wes anderson movie but for you for you oh yeah you but jake do, and i have seen it several times in particular moonrise kingdom is yeah. like this is citizen king guys like how have you not seen this it's just so funny to me that might it might be my favorite and, movie and to, ever like not even kidding for there were there was like a I good five like years it. where i, I would watch it. it was one of the year. first uh, Wes Anderson movies I saw and I think I like it more than most people do just because it plays a lot on the Wes this is my random Wes Anderson movie review uh, that I'm just throwing into here <laughs> yeah I think it has a lot of the Wes Anderson-isms so if you watch that before some of his other movies it doesn't feel like he's just doing a parody of himself it's it's pretty good you treat it that yeah. way Okay, I just figured out how to tie Moonrise Kingdom into this <laughs> because this was the episode where after studying the meteor and how it launched upward out of the ground due to some sort of crazy phenomenon, um, realized that, like, I'm trying to remember, I, he, like, had a flashback or he had something, and that's where we learned that humans... He rolled a 20 on his investigation, right? Like ...come into play several times over the course of the season. Not necessarily, but we had established we actually live on a kingdom on the moon, a moonrise kingdom, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! And it was right there. We were literally right talking there. about. So I actually like, did reference reverse meteors kingdom. that shoot to the moon. Yeah, because okay, there's perfect. a moonrise kingdom. Yeah, exactly. on the moon. On on one of the moons. We're all the humans. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if we fully established uh, that. Yeah. Um. So he's a human. I see here that he's a human. Did we decide yes, that? We did. During the episode that he yeah. was human? No, I had decided that beforehand. Oh. And that's that's part of what played into him Got it. having the realization. Because he I if I recall, he had a he he perceived that he arrived like it was all familiar to him when he got down into That's right. Like So this, he didn't know he was a human. Uh, meteor. Well, he, he knew he was a oh, human, okay. but he didn't know where he came Got from it. necessarily. But he did recall all that um like it all that humans arrive on the planet by being launched from the moon toward the planet um via meteors they like ride the meteor and then they recall them down, yeah basically. come back meteor we okay. need you again i thought we would remember these better than we did. uh they, they shoot out the meteors send humans down and then they retract them hey come back meteors we need you again yeah exactly they use their uh they use their so time I- stone and they uh, reverse time and like the meteors come back. As physic defying boomerangs. And I'm officially. Just take a while to come back. Yeah, makes sense. All right, episode 12. Yes. 
picture in everyone's minds um, because this is the one where, um, you know, after the whole uh, expedition out to the meteor site, they were attacked in civilization at the bottom of Suprega. And uh, so this was when they had to go back out to try and find their party again and discovered that there were human encampments all throughout the hills. And my character was... Cute. It's not, not as fresh in memory. Well, do I you know have he the was based on Pedro Pascal? Yeah, yeah. It's all <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> oh, I, the... sorry. I switched over, and I I've been referencing my notes ah, okay. because my notes my recent notes are a lot more full. But yours right here. That's right. His name was Laredo Duval, and he's kind of a historian. Hi, I'm Laredo Duval. No, not like that. At like. For example, imagine <laughs> he's kind of he's like a good looking tough guy, but he's also like really sweet. If you ever seen him yeah. if you've ever seen him like in an interview and stuff. If you've ever seen he him yeah. the best for people, he values friendship. That's really what he's all about. So tough guy, but kind of sweet. Yeah, and like not necessarily his characters, but I'm actually referring to the human the, the real life human being, Pedro Pascal, is that way. Right. He's yeah. Like a really sweet, nice guy. Yeah. Even though he plays like these hardened characters. I feel like that, I feel like you said so, all of that in response to me making a Shelly Duval reference. I didn't catch that. Oh, I, there's a there's a video That's clip of her just saying, "Hi, I'm Shelly Duval," and like like a hundred times, no, like twenty times. It's so funny. I'll send it to you. I thought I thought you were just mocking Laredo Duval and saying that because he was sweet and had a heart of gold. Oh no 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 no! no. All, that was a Shelly Duval reference. Talked all all. Uh... I was just I was just doing my Shelley Duval uh, okay. impression. I was not I, challenging. I retract. I retract <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I retract my tone defensiveness. <laughs> okay, cool. Thinking that you were calling him like a, a sissy or something. No, I would never do that to Laredo Duval. I'm gonna jump in with my character. Uh, this, yeah, because you can kind of bring us all in, Brian. Um, because my character kind of screwed up mission. I got like a two or three on my roll. Not a critical fell. I didn't ruin it for everyone. But this was Rose Moss, who uh, had a very epic backstory. Uh, I'm not going to try and condense it, but basically, she's a druid who, who uh, <laughs> is a ghostwise halfling. Kind of spooky, but kind of sweet. Um, she did have good intentions to help out, uh, but ended up betraying you guys. Um, was trying to set a, like sabotage the expedition and get the civilizations of humans versus those of Shivalo to fight each other, but it didn't quite work out. A lot of it had to do with your heroics, Brian. Yes, because I was the hero, the, the legendary hero, Lynx, the legendary hero of Lynx. And, you know, I'm not going to be coy about it. He's just based on Link. Um, he's the, the bodyguard of the princess of Lynx, and uh, he was there to check out the situation, and he saved the day with his hookshot. But oh, oops, no, he didn't um, because he oh. got everyone down a sinkhole. And I, th I think I Laredo totally Duvall is the only one who survived. The day, but I guess yeah. you're right. It was Laredo Duvall. No. And no. you said it, and I actually <laughs> believed it until halfway through that sentence. Okay, so now that we have sort of a recap of our first year, our first 12 episodes, we're now going to sort of try and tie them up a little bit. We're obviously not going to like catch every loose thread and tie them up but what we have done we've sort of prepared a game um to do all of this 
Um, each of us have come with one of the plots that we introduced. So one of the quests when we were giving the quest for, an, for a given episode. And we're going to about we're about to discover that they were all connected somehow, right? Either there was a cause and effect relationship, they're working together. I don't know what it's going to be because I don't know what everyone brought. Um, we're going to figure what that out what that is. And then we will have our adventure that'll give us our new sort of finale quest. And then we have already selected which of our characters that we brought to the show we would like to follow up on and bring to this finale. And we'll figure out how those three three are going to address the challenge using our usual roles. Uh, does that, um, where should we start? Who has a, who has a, let's, should we just all go around just real quick and just say real quick, what, what episode, what plot are you wanting to continue on with? Yeah, I, I would go first. We, we can snake draft it. Cause I would like to start with okay. my plot element. But so if you start with your plot, you're the last one to, to choose your character, to, to present your character, you're saying? Yeah, because I think my character okay. has gone through the biggest change since we last left okay. off with them. Um, I'm picking up on episode five, which, as we all remember, is the um, survivor challenge with the tiefling cultists, uh, led okay. by, believe it or not, Jeff Probst, the tiefling version. Um, this did not end so well, and this is part of why I wanted to pick this quest, because... They were continuing to blur in uh, unknowing travelers or competitors into this competition. It was rigged. It was very carnal in the way that these, uh, and to be clear, not all tieflings in this world are bad, but these tieflings in particular are giving them a bad name. Um, and so now... Right. And, and I think maybe we'll figure out why and how that works as part of this episode. So, and so there's a lot of mistrust going on in the world towards tieflings. And some people are, uh, some of the tieflings are just trying to like hide away from society because they are being shunned. Others are going, you know what? Might as well join this creepy survivor cult. Um, <laughs> and so their numbers are growing. Might as well. Um, yeah. And so they're becoming more powerful. They want to... Uh, expand kind of the reason they did this, which we can get into the specifics of it more, but it is some sort of ritual sacrifice that they perform. Um, and I kind of left some of the details a little up in the air, but we can coordinate it with yeah. your guys' point, uh, plot points. But I do want okay. to, in some way, incorporate this uh, survivor cult. Cool. Very cool. Um, Jake, do you want to go? Should I go? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. Um, so my plot that I think is worth investigating a little bit more has to do with uh, the story that I brought in regards to Orange Julius's drink. Ooh, way back in the day. Way back in the day. Uh, we're we're reaching back. Oh, I see side. what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I didn't. And I <laughs> named the town. <laughs> because, you know, the way that we left things off was that... Um, Essentially, it was a mixed result in the sense that nobody, like, things were okay, but they had to continue making a supply of Orange Julius's drink in order to keep the town healthy, right? Because they didn't resolve the source of the problem. They just basically developed a perpetual antidote. And uh, right. so the character, and I know this is going to be shocking to everybody. But the character whose story and tangential Wait, hold story... on. Hold off on the character. Oh, right, right, right. We're going to do all Sorry. three plots first and then do the character. Okay, so the plot is 
that um, essentially we need to know what's going on back in reach. Um, how are the people like handling this? Do they have enough supply? And are people starting to leave town and head for other regions because of this issue? And if so, you know, for what motivations? Cool. How's Gordon cool. Rand sheep doing? Things, things I do like think that was like one of our biggest cliffhangers. It was kind of like that was the first time we dealt with a mixed success, maybe. And we were like, or no, we totally failed that one. And we were like, did the town die? And then we were like, I don't think it's that bad. No, um, it was it was like, but yeah. we but I think we even said like the town didn't die, they, but we're gonna have to revisit this at some point. To see they're, how they're doing. Yeah, definitely hanging in the balance. Um, my plot that I'm wanting to follow up is another one that I think we specifically said, maybe in a future episode, we'll do that. And when we didn't actually have this, this idea in mind for doing sort of a finale to wrap things up, um, mine was in the independent city of dark city, um, the missing drug shipment. Um, I think we, I, I don't remember the specifics of how it ended, but it was basically like, we resolved the immediate issue of like the shipment being like in the town, but they were there was still a mystery about what happened to those drugs. Uh, so that's the one uh, I want. I like that we on. all got different islands or different uh, theories. We did. Really it's really is. a global effort. Um. Um. So yeah, what I think we should figure out what are what are quote unquote the bad guys doing, and I think the only like villains in this situation are the tieflings, right? Yeah, the tiefling so, survivor cult, so it's, which maybe we should name, so we don't have to. Call them I by think their it's race, just which the is survivor a little bit at this point. Reductive. I don't. I don't think we need to be coy about it. Um, it could be survivor, um, outlast, endure, there, whatever the probably replacing is. one of the vowels in that with a Y, so it's like survive, V Y or survivor. Um, of course, yeah. and, and they're all about like sacrificing the few so that they may survive for eternity. Actually, I have another proposal. What if they're called Outlast? Can can their name just be Outlast? Like that sounds like kind of like dark, and that's the last word in their outwit, outplay, outlast slogan from from the TV I, show I Survivor. I didn't even know that. I think that's a great. I feel like idea, that's fun. Brian. It's on their logo. It's I don't know if it's their slogan because when I Google their motto, it says "Triumph through your trials and look good while doing it," which that's <laughs> it's the fun. Outlast cult. Um, oh, that's actually the American Heart Association. Um, so that's different, but the TV show is Outwit, Outplay, Outlast, and I think Outlast, Outlast has yeah, the name of the I, I think that's great. That's excellent. This is why it's a collaborative effort. Sweet. Um, yeah, so it's the exactly. Outlast cult, cult led by Jeff Propes um, and his many tiefling warriors. Uh, so drugs and Orange Julius drinks. How do we... I, I mean, like... Yeah. They're all in... They're And or sort of shrieking... They could have been the shrieking too that's involved um, with the Orange Julius plot because that was that's what was causing the sickness, right? It was like yeah. a shrieking from so, the mountains. Um, yes. Real quick, just for like some character flavor, I I think the war. I think all the main tieflings in this cult are have to be undying uh, warlocks. Like that makes the most sense. That's kind of their theme is surviving okay. immortality. So let's all the undying patrons. I think they're okay. just kind of experimenting into all sorts of ways beyond just like sacrifice, but how else can we achieve this immortality? Um, that's where maybe the drugs come in. Yeah. It, they found some <laughs> okay, sort of yeah. secret recipe. Um, if you intertwine the drugs, it gives you a long lasting life. It might deteriorate your body a little bit, but 
the payoff is I can live 10 more years or maybe I'm a little wrinkly. What if the shrieking, what if the shrieking is a, like a side effect of the combination of these drugs and this warlock magic that you're able to pass on the effect of the drugs to others. So maybe the, like the orange Julia sickness that's that everyone's like dealing with in reach is like a, a curse has been placed on whoever that is doing the shrieking. And because of it, that curse is being passed on to the others. So it's a vocal mm-hmm. contagion. The drugs? <laughs> or the other way around. Not just, yeah. it's a vo- vocal contagion, a what? you might say? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying like they're on the drugs and they also have the curse. And that specific combination means that it's it's causing them to scream and the scream is causing a contagious effect. I think that's something. Maybe? I'm looking up undying warlocks to see if there's any spells or any abilities they have that kind of go along with one of these effects for inspiration structurally is the outlast cult like on the whole face then i almost said globally but there's no globes involved here um are they like a a, a worldwide organization i think we have to assume that right i think the time between where we left off they were this like secret unknown thing obviously they were getting away with deception now I think they're at the point yeah. where they are a big enough threat where it's like it's kind of like I want to compare it to like the day with AI almost uh, where it's like in that zone of like okay yeah. this is about to be a big thing and there's maybe there's some people who are like no they're they're fine like the the survivor games are not a real thing like people are just making it out to be worse and other people are like don't do something about this in 10 years like yeah. we're all going to be dead and they're going to be the only ones like obviously this is more drastic situation but like the vibe of this room yeah. of no one's really certain what's going to happen here in the forecoming years because of this catalyst is kind of how i picture them yeah um and people are like i don't know if the survivor games are <laughs> going to come for my job Right, like another. I know some people are going to be. They're specifically it targeting job? artists and writers. Um, so yeah. with these uh, games. Ah, uh, oh no. Um, so yeah, I like that idea that like they've been around under the surface for a long time and they have connections and stuff, but now they're kind of putting on a more public face. So now even yes. normal people are aware of them because of the Survivor Games. I think before they were doing more traditional culty like you know, kidnapping people and like recruiting people, but now they're like, well, I don't even think like a fun reality show thing. They are, or let me rephrase. I think you actually said it right. And I just assumed you were not going to say what I was planning to. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) You were like about, Um, you're ready to to just capture my thoughts is I think their whole point for a while was secrecy. Like no one's down for this. But now there's like this cultural shift of like, yeah. What if I did survive? Like, what if I did pull this off and then got a whole a uh, bunch of money and whatnot? Yeah. And so now there are a whole ton of people who are like, yeah, sign me up for this. This is great. And they're like, okay, I guess down with secrecy. <laughs> yeah. So it is kind of a different angle. Like, yeah, I was addressing the organization saying we're willing to be more open, but you're saying there's also a cultural shift of people being like, you know, maybe it's worth yeah, the risk. So, you know, maybe I will. Like, like you were saying it, they're now treating, is interesting. treating it as like a cool. market tactic. Like, hey, come join this. We're not a cult. We're just having fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. It, 
is there anything else we want to introduce into sort of like the general like adventure we're about to go on or like the the the, the things that we're up against so i mean th there's something that i could add to like and i don't know if we want to tie this into when i introduce my character but adding context to what's going on in reach should that be that's a good a question. Development of, because in my head, there have been developments to that that yeah, influence right. my character. Uh, I think what we do then is let's 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 do move on to characters, and then you can because I think I think that's part of like that's part of the character introduction because we're not introducing a new character. You're kind of are, but the idea is what we're introducing. Why is this character involved with this problem in, in like solving this problem? And so I think that would be that backstory of like what has changed in Reach, yeah. like what. Does that make sense? Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense to me. Um. All right. So we've got what we're up against, right? This is the part that usually happens before the episode starts, but we kind of figured it out. How are the, how are the drugs and the survivor cult and the shrieking slash orange Julius situation in reach connected? It's basically the, the cult is, is pulling the strings and they are using these different, different things and causing these different things uh to get control and to uh kill people ceremonially yep and unceremoniously i would say i think i think ceremonially but unceremoniously this? those are different um, ways i think they're also using the drugs um maybe to spike the the contestants like some of the ones they're most concerned about of ah. actually succeeding it's going to make them a little more hostile and a little more uh, lackadaisical in their decision making, a little more reckless, I guess. Um, yeah, so yeah, their inhibitions are lowered. I like that. Yeah. It can also justify why we lost some great characters that day. Yeah, it wasn't a fair they, fight. they weren't exactly. acting in their fault. It wasn't. It wasn't a fair fight. No, they got jumped. Um, okay, let's solve this problem then. Let's introduce our our intrepid heroes who can save the day. Correct. Um, and you said snake. Yes. Draft order. So Snakes I went last. Lego first. Is that how it works? Okay. The character I wanted the character the character I wanted to follow up on was Sophia Ladrone um, from the music festival episode. Um, she's the Rosa Diaz type character, um, bodyguard for the mob, and. She ended up in the middle of the ocean, I guess, I think is what we said, because of the exploding <laughs> pea incident. Specifically um, the vegetable. At the music festival. Exploding peas. <laughs> the vegetable. Vegetable pea? What are you talking Well, exploding pea sounds different than exploding Oh, peas. you're right. Exploding peas is what I meant to say. Um, because of something going on, she got a mysterious letter saying, like inviting her to join the thing, and she... She said yes in as a way to like try and not get killed. And then she ended up just like in the middle of the ocean, I think is what we decided. Okay. So that's where she's coming from. I don't, I, I think her update, like to update how she knows what's going on. She's just been dig. She made it to the shore, I assume, um, or else none of this makes sense. Uh, and she, uh, she's just been investigating. She's like, what is this letter? Like what's going on? And she's been sort of pulling at that thread. I guess one of the things sort of we need to found out determine, and maybe this will be after we decide which characters we have, is are they being hired by some group as like, we need you to go on this quest? Are they making their own group? Is this the foundations yeah, of I don't know like, if we know that. this world's Jedi Order? Uh, are these three heroes? 
Yeah. I think we'll have to. I, ca- yeah, I, I kind of like we'll the idea that they, you know, they convene serendipitously, but not necessarily that they're like, there's one puppet there's master no behind Fury. them all coming together. Does that make sense? He would yeah. be a barbarian if he did exist. Yeah, exactly. Yet. Maybe one of these characters is going to be the Nick Fury in the future. <laughs> My character's name is Nick yeah. Fury. This is like the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D., if it, if anything. Yeah. This is not the Avengers. It's it's S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a barbarian very with a giant if it's, S.H.I.E.L.D. If it's His something like Nick that. Fury. If it turns into something like that. Right. Maybe he's also Dampier lineage, so you can call him Neck Fury because he likes bite necks. Anyway. <laughs> That's a stretch. It was all a stretch. <laughs> All right, Jake, who, what character are you bringing to solve this problem? All right. Now, again, this might be a shock to everyone because <laughs> I don't typically, you know, just use this as a fallback. But the character that I'm going to bring back into the story here is uh, he's dead. <gasps> what? And I know what he's you're thinking. Dead. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And I, I hear what you're saying now. And I, what you <laughs> were right. saying is what I knew that what you were thinking, which is, I mean, tell, he's tell dead. us how it happened. How is this possible? So, you know, you mentioned, Houston, that before this cult started sort of hosting these Survivor games, they were just up to all kinds of bad shenanigans. And you specifically Mm -hmm. mentioned the word kidnapping. Hmm. And you said kidnapping people. But I think this cult is bad enough that (gasps) they wouldn't just kidnap people. Oh, man. They would also kidnap but there's oh a term for that. So it, 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 this goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the, it goes. Is that a real uh, term? That feels like a term that's just movies. a term in 101 Dalmatians. I think whenever a dog napping occurs, they mention that there's dog napping. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a Wikipedia page. Dog napping is the crime of taking a dog, a dog from its owner. Yeah, because I mean, dogs aren't kids, so it makes sense. To why is them. napping part of the word? I don't know why kidnapping is called that. Anyway, that's for our etymology podcast. But yeah. Essentially, to go back in time a little bit, because it's hard to go forward in time with Jed. Um, after, <laughs> after, his, after his beloved Wesson was uh, kidnapped in the dead of night, and he saw someone uh, smuggling it away, and they were kind of grieving this loss, um, he received an invitation, actually, to go to the Survivor Games. Ah, and he saw okay. that. He saw that not only as an opportunity to take up his arms again and venture out in search of what could have happened and to try to sharpen his skills again, but he also found it a bit suspicious that he received an invitation from a mysterious source only days after his dog had been dognapped. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think it's important to add a little bit of context here uh, because the character that I think is going to need to be involved. We could call them an alternate for Jed because okay. Jed has a hard time moving and taking actions these days. Um, that is that is a true statement. And what's going on in Reach as a result of all of this, you know, people getting sick, et cetera, et cetera, is Gordon Ramsheep is having a hard time keeping up with supply, right? Okay. And so the town has convened about this issue many times and... Basically, Gordon Ramsheep has said, like, I can keep making it, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep making it to supply the whole town forever. And some intrepid, good people decided, well, the only logical explanation here, the only logical action is that some people have to volunteer to leave town. And if they leave town, they'll be safe from the illness. And then we'll have a lower population that we can supply with the drink. Okay. Right? It all checks out. So 
going back to Jed, he has disappeared. We don't know what's happened to him. So we're calling in an alternate. Well, two <laughs> alternates to start, but we're going to land on one. <laughs> okay. Those two alternates being the wife of Jed Amright. Okay. The other alternate. Belinda, I believe her name Belinda, was. Belinda Amright. Belinda Harrison Amright. Belinda Amright. And <laughs> then Smith. Most just call Smith. him Smith. You know. It could be a duck hunt situation. That's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> so this was my thought. Belinda and Smith. This was my thought was that they kind of decided amongst themselves that anyone who has it within their capabilities to do it safely from every household, one person should volunteer to go away for a while. Okay. Belinda and Smith sat down and spoke to each other because they, they spoke to each. Oh, is she a, like a beast master ranger? <laughs> Belinda, I'm right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she said, Smith, I think we all know what needs to happen here. And Smith said, bow, wow, 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 which translates to, of course, you're a Beastmaster Ranger. You need to go out and figure out what happened to Jed. And it also makes sense because even the puppies are having to drink Orange Julius's drink to stay safe from this illness. And so if you leave, then we fulfill the town agreement of one person from each household leaving. And then Belinda looked at Smith in the eyes and said, no, Smith. Real quick, real quick. Well, she said, bow, wow, wow. You think dogs say bow, wow when they bark? No, Smith. Is that like your default noise for barking as opposed to like bark, bark, or arf, arf? Um, I don't think that's too controversial. I I don't think so. I also wouldn't go for arf, rough, arf. Rough, rough is the better yeah, one. But I don't like the I, idea. I go for rough, rough. I, don't... I would go for a rough. Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it changes a lot from in language to language. Spanish, it is very, it's like a guau, like yeah. wow, wow. I mean, so, I'm just I think so that's where you're coming from this. since you've been there, immersed in I, Spanish lately. I mean, if we, you we, haven't heard it, there's a Brian Regan bit about Bow Wow well, and well, just how stupid I it think is. I get it. A, a way of dogs like that being the communication. Oh, interesting. Uh, literally dogs. I think this would also go. This, this is probably <laughs> better saved for our onomatopoeia podcasts. Our, our international. <laughs> we have a lot of podcasts. International onomatopoeia podcast because we also say croak, croak for frogs which is not that great and in china they say walk 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 yeah i'm a ribbit like fan that's we also have ribbit i like ribbit though yeah ribbit's pretty Rib good. this is very riveting discussion anyway, we're having they sat down they said they said bow wow wow bark bark with the occasional arf and she said no smith you see someone has to stay here and continue cultivating the radishes I'm the one with the opposable thumbs here. <laughs> and she said, Smith, you've got a heart of gold and you're the retriever in this family. So I need you to go retrieve my husband. And he said, oh my gosh, nice. I love that she, she's sort of come around. I feel like they were, they were on the rocks a little That's bit. That's another development uh, is that Jed. once Jed disappeared and Wesson with him or before him, she realized what she had. And she wants yeah. them both back. Yeah. Or she at least wants to know what has befallen them. So, yeah. My character. I like this growth of this character who I don't I'm telling believe you. did anything in the episode she was in. There so. is an HBO miniseries in my head here, you guys. <laughs> and so that's why I'm so insistent about this. But basically, my character being 
that I'm reintroducing is Jed damn right, but his alternate is now Smith am right. Race, dog, class, retriever, subclass, golden retriever, hometown, (laughs) reach, highest stat, wisdom, because of his perception of smell, charisma, because he's a very good boy, his lowest stat, constitution, because he's not exactly an endurance dog, but that's okay, age, gender, male, four years old, and he (laughs) has the alignment of true good. (laughs) True good. He's not level or neutral. Wait for it. Wait for it. Signature okay. signature move, being adorable, wagging tail, gaining people's trust, followed by biting. What are we even doing, guys? Like <laughs> I, I, I love Smith. That's my um, character. I also love I don't that... even know how we solve this <laughs> in a realistic manner. I mean Houston. I, I think we've got all the pieces. I need, no, I think... I need you to get on board with this here. I've just introduced a DD character who's a literal dog. Who has a mission and a purpose and abilities and motivations to go out and help no, solve this be, mystery in one of the most adorable to be clear, ways I possible. think Smith is a good guy. This boy. is one of our I'm most developed characters, that. too. Because if you would ask me, like, hey, who do you want for your uh, your adventure party to go take out this tiefling cult? Do you want a dog or, like, a 12th <laughs> level sorcerer who can cast Fireball? It's like, the dog's cute, but... I mean, I think we've got some dis- he's distraction. A, he's going to be one of a, our tools. He's a retriever. Hey, I am a big it's fan his of job to Come retrieve. I wouldn't, I wouldn't send my little storm to go <laughs> out and take on uh, Tiamat, the five-headed dragon. Then Houston, you well, need, luckily it's not Tiamat. You need to reevaluate Storm's <laughs> capabilities and potential because Smith. That's a good point. Smith is up for the task. That's all. A pterodactyl is what. Well, I'm what are you bringing? What are you bringing That's to the right. table then, Houston? Uh, what character are you bringing? Picture this: a, a you see up in the sky. What's that? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a pterodactyl. Because we introduced dinosaurs into this world, guys, and we only really used it for like an episode and a half. Wait, 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 we wait. We sure wait. did. You're, you're actually no, I've got a, a I've got a character with the roasting me for because mine is also a Beastmaster Ranger. Uh, yeah, okay. so the pterodactyl descends. You oh, see up above this majestic silhouette of uh, is he a man or is he a boy? No, he's a man boy because he's a he's a grown halfling because it's been about five or six years since the events of this storyline took place. Um, I'm making it. I am declaring oh, it now. That's it a, took I didn't know we were having a time jump. For the cult to build up. Okay. Fine. He's like... All right, so I guess Smith is actually, like, however many years old. Then. Yeah, he's an old Six, boy, seven, but he's eight. a good boy. Smith is, like, 100 now in dog years. No, I think he, he was a puppy. I think we had established he's he was very well trained. Um, so obviously, just by adult, the fact that he can retriever. strategize and yeah. uh, on adventures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was. I mean, when you're by... raised by a beastmaster ranger was, and a shark look at exact... Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. You took the words out of my mouth. Thank you for letting me have them out of your you mouth. Look up, and I don't know who's here for this. <laughs> this might just be like a trailer shot that gets cut from the actual movie. But um, a man, a halfling man, looks like Tim Curry from the movie Clue, suit and all, but he's a halfling. 
steps down. Okay. He brushes off his coat. Okay. Uh, Good. He pulls out Good from a so pocket far. of his coat some pterodactyl treats. Gives it out to his pterodactyl, uh, Pateri, what he's named. And then the pterodactyl rests on his shoulder. Says, hello, my name. Oh, nice. sorry. Before this, before this, he pulls out a finger and it lights up as though magic <laughs> is occurring. He sticks out his tongue, touches his tongue, and then proceeds, hello, my name okay. is Rudabega Baggins. Wait, yes, wait, wait, wait. You used to know me as the guy who could only say, I am rude and a oh. few other words. <laughs> but I have since learned the spell tongues, which has never been used in a D&D campaign <laughs> until this very point. This is how I sound as a man who can speak common tongue. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he used tongues to learn usual, you're saying. Okay. So he's actually sound speaking like Tim his Curry. gibberish, it is the but Tim then Curry using the spell version. to enhance it to sound like normal usual speech. Perfect. Amazing. Can I... Can I uh... And your, your character is so developed so much. Yeah, uh, and I didn't. And I, I didn't really change my character at all. Maybe her growth is going to happen in this episode. Yeah, can I also like? Uh, I just want to kind of intrude a little bit on this, Houston, and add a little bit more. Can we per perhaps say that he he says, "I have developed my linguistic abilities by studying in the university <laughs> alongside my favorite classmate, Click Clack." He's a ranger, so he has because he a magic. Wait, did he do, yeah. do magic before? I don't even know if tongues. Is a ranger right. spell? Some. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. He went to university, decided he was above it, but he did meet Click Clack while he was there. He met Click Clack and he was trained at the hands of the of the professor who uh, was the cop in Dark City before him and Click Clack ended up in the university through that time portal or whatever. Right. Captain Tryhard. Yep. Very good. Um, before the episode, you mentioned that you were talking about a spell uh, with, that required the, the component of a small clay model of a ziggurat. I believe it's a reference to the Tower of Babel or Babel. I think ah. that is the reference. Yeah. All, all of those components have some kind of like reference or, or joke or something. Okay. No. Ah. No. Middle Eastern. That's pro it's the I same probably stepped, heard it in the context sort of step pyramid. Of um, it looks, looks similar. Makes more sense. Okay. From that yes. Region. He does pull out a clay model of yep. a ziggurat. He touches it with his finger and then touches his tongue. He says, hello. Um, but <laughs> it only of lasts course. for one hour. Be wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that you clarified. I'm glad that you clarified that as well because when you... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I'm glad that you clarified that as well because when you first start off by saying he pulls out a finger <laughs> and touches it to his tongue, I wanted to make sure the finger was attached to his hand. And I'm glad that it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I'm glad too. I wasn't thinking yet. I, oh, before he said he put it, in, touched it to his tongue, I thought he was just flipping us oh. off. So, ah, uh, nope. Okay, well, we've got our crew. Is there anything else we want to say about our crew before we like roll? Like, what are we doing? Like, how did we meet? I guess like, you swooped in on a pterodactyl. I, I feel like Sophia has been trying to find other people who are like who have knowledge about this kind of thing. So she's in the region. Um, where Rude, it's Rude, lives, right? Rude is in the region where we're probably working because that's close to the Survivor Island. The usual tongue. And through, yeah. Oh, fair. 
Oh, very sorry. Yeah, uh, that's that's important, I guess. Um, yeah, call me Sophia. What if we all just arrived at the island at the same time and we're yes. like, we kind of look at each other. We're like, you're here to stop them, aren't you? I'm o- and I'm okay with um, like Smith arriving there through basically a very like epic homeward bound esque montage that everyone just has to imagine in their heads right now. Okay, and one other thing to point out, we we haven't established a way to cross that ocean so either we're establishing it right now or he went around the entire both (laughs) like all of the continents you ever seen a retriever swim my man (laughs) it just no one ever thought of that like what if a dog what if a dog just swam it and what if smith for his training from a beastmaster ranger and a sharpshooter he actually does have quite the endurance yeah fair um i like the idea that Maybe there's some one of the engineers who is trying to figure out the crossing and how to do it. They see him swim across and they're like, I know what to do. And then it, I don't know what the solution is, but they come up with a solution. They open. And so they're, they're, they're one step closer. They open an aquatic. This is a whole side story, <laughs> but they open an aquatic center and they start teaching the whole world swimming lessons. <laughs> we just have to swim. <laughs> we have to be really strong swimmers and just swim. Exactly. <clears throat> just keep swimming. Tagline of that side adventure. Anyway. Perfect. Yeah, uh, and you and Rudabaker Baggins swoops in on the pterodactyl, and we all land there at the same time, and we we just know. And and I also like the idea that Rudabaker Baggins, you know, having a, a pterodactyl, like he's also very good with all sorts of animals, and so he immediately, due to the tail wagging and the adorableness, he he takes a liking to Smith, and they get along really well. And so yeah, kind of I mean, he absolutely loves the dog Smith, but Smith he doesn't have any complaints with it course. being there. Yeah, his only complaint is you know. I feel like we are missing one great artificer or uh, wizard or actual Beastmaster Ranger here. We could do with another one of those. We could have had a Beastmaster Ranger here and Smith could have been his animal companion. Again, I'm not well, Belinda judging can, the Belinda logistics. Can, can I just right. feel like there's a meta the gap in this on, party construction here. Empathy. <laughs> we... <laughs> All right, Smith, we were so close to passing the Bechdel test on this episode. Smith turns to Smith turns to uh, Smith turns to Rudabaker Baggins and says, "Arf, arf, 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 arf," which is an aggressive um, way of saying, "Don't you patronize me, you <laughs> son of a gun." Here's the thing: I just rolled a natural twenty on animal. You're kind of a son so of a gun, actually. Smith is never going to exactly. Rudabaker Baggins again. <laughs> No, I think that just means that you and Smith are now very solid. I mean, it's the classic dad no, dog. Again, I have um, no problem. You know, with archetype. Dog of being the, here. the dad doesn't want the dog. It's just and the dad. There is just love the a, dog. a proficient fighter hole <laughs> in our party construction. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Sophia is a protection fighter, so. And Smith says perfect. "woof woof woof," which equates to you keep no, saying I you want, have no problem with a dog being here, but it kind of seems like you I, I want a dog be here. and another person here. That's all. I've, we're this just is short fun rocket raccoon. That's energy. really all it comes down to. Hey, just because a standard Questopedia episode has three, three, uh, what is the term? Humanoid characters. Um, yep. And, and uh, again, Smith says "bark bark woof," which translates to "Hey." It's it just specifically means dog, you're not a humanoid. Mean I'm exactly. not a person. I said not a I humanoid, meant though. humanoid. He didn't say humanoid. He said person. Today. I apologize. 
Okay, and then it says bark, 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 which equates to anyway, what are we going to do? <laughs> now that we've had our fun, like, meeting on the dock and, like, our characters have met each other, should we do our roles and see what our approach is going to be? I think to I deal just with used these, my... Uh, yes. These outlast, outlast uh, on handling checks. I don't know why I said cultist as two words. I know. It was really a waste. Yep. I thought you were jumping ahead to that. All right. Who wants to roll first? I think we should just I, jump into yeah. it. Uh, I think, I think we go better snake. To say. We, keep, we continue with the snake and go Houston. Uh, Houston. Mine's better to save, too. How about you go first, Jake? Well, I haven't rolled yet, so I guess mine's not better to <laughs> okay. save. All right. So, Smith brings everyone in closely, and he starts explaining his, his plan. Am I? Hold on. Is is Sophia just getting the second hand then? Because I don't think she does. Uh, I don't think she does know how, how to stop, talk to a Ruder dog. Baker's acting as interpreter. He has animal handling. Okay. He has to do it. She's very frustrated then. Yeah. Um, and he starts, woof, 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 bark, bark, arf, arf, woof, bark, bark, woof, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'll jump ahead and I'll translate for him. He says, I have been on the scent of some cultists for many moons now during my journey across the sea as I paddled and wagged my tail. And he said, I, I love that he was also investigating as he went. Well, yeah, he has like level 22 perception. And so he awesome. says, I know the exact location of the home base of the cultists. I, through my charisma and my perception, will go and infiltrate the base, wag my tail, smile, beg for treats, roll over, do some tricks, and gain their trust. And then, after I'm in good with them, I will wait for further orders from you two. And when you give the word, I switch to bite mode. <laughs> and I think it, it depends on what happens with you guys, but he starts off in the direction of the cultist hideout he finds them perfectly he wags his tail and he gains their trust they all love him to death and all the time he under the surface is just sharpening his teeth and sharpening um, his nice. teeth to be clear i he think rolled an 18 we, baby they nice. probably the cultists probably expand their operations but i still think for this story we take him back to uh island of uh Roy royal balte balte yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's the main Butler. area. Butler, it's yeah. an inverted. Mountain. I assumed that was sort of headquarters. Um, That's sort of what so I was it's imagining. It's just we like this big cone in the ground. Um, and, yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a. Never. Mind. It's also an I, I was going to say something fun. stupid. Um, but yeah, so it's all there. Uh, this good, good boy swims out, and basically, what I imagine is with your 18 is you're able to keep bring them out of the caves or like headquartered safeguarded buildings that they're in so that while this most recent survivor competition is going on um they are up on top on the surface level like you're bringing them out so that they're vulnerable because anywhere that uh, most Smith people goes, are they just fall yeah nothing they're against so the dog i think he's doing a really so good job with his dog yep. obviously i also I also like the idea of like we could he could have a class he could have some magic that's enhanced uh, enhancing the his natural charisma maybe he doesn't know it but there is just sort of uh what if he's had some moon dust 
what if he's somehow just been in, what if just everything is sort of enhanced about his charisma he's been he's been you know he's been like sniffing because <gasps> he, he went through the ocean he went, <gasps> when he swam through the ocean yeah there was a ton of uncollected moon dust in that area because they can't cross there yeah i think he, you know he does have some supernatural um additional uh boosts to his uh to his and abilities. he also you know those dogs like the uh like the avalanche dogs that have like the big barrel on their on the front of them yeah He's been he has one of those on him in front of him, but as his um, hydration source, but it's filled entirely with Orange Julius's drink because he just likes it so much. So he's also just yeah. like he's just he's 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 pretty like turned right now. Like, yeah, he's he's living life good. He's high on Orange Julius's drink. He's um, high on moon dust. This did get me on board because he's naturally high on charisma. Uh, my retriever, if Smith is angry, okay. my, my dog. When she goes out on the lake, she just treats it as a big water bowl. So the whole time she's swimming, she's also drinking it. So this makes sense to me that Smith would infuse a ton of moon dust <laughs> and just get super powerful. So. Yeah. And I think we have to assume it's not salt water. It's just moon um, dust. Fresh Brian, water, I think so. you fresh should go water, next. Moon dust flavored. Yep. Perfect. Okay. How about we... Right. Houston, we've both we said we want to go last. Should we just go at the same time? We we'll just say our number. We'll just on the count of three. Kill. We have One, a two, three, and then the number for being last. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I actually don't know what my narrative is. Here, <laughs> here's, here's the number I rolled. So... Oh. <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, well, to be clear, okay. this was for just on this because the first the the I rolled on the a one and Houston rolled two twenties. And then the 20 um, on the right was my next roll. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I've I've oh got gosh. an 18. So how do we handle this? I mean because we have a crit okay. we have a, a total success Here's and a critical the, failure at the same time. The rules are if we have a crit success, or if, if anyone rolls a 20, the whole thing succeeds automatically. If someone rolls a one, the whole thing fails automatically. Or they so I think we just have to assume that it's a guarantee. It leaves it to Jake's eighteen, or that we have okay. opened a wormhole in the. Space well, what I'm saying continuum. is, my natural twenty negates. So your we just take the average, fail. and it's it's going to be a mix. Then we just go anyway, to Jake's probably. number. Which well, is but I got an eighteen. Right. Oh, right. Okay. I think I'm I'm fine with that. This is this is our our end result. <laughs> you should. I would say 20 it plus one sure plus 18 is divided you didn't do the math, but no, <laughs> but you did type 20 plus one plus 18 divided by three. So 39 divided by three is, Oh, that should be easy. That's 13. 13. So yeah, I guess. Also, I did get a natural 20. I think on my it's, it's a finale. In the finale, we get to do Jake's whatever 18, we want. A little yeah. extra something. I, I think, yeah, I, I think I think, I think here's the compromise. I think we go with the two thirds option that you two are totally successful and Sophia dies. Yeah, I, I was going to say mixed success can mean many things because it's a mixed yeah. success. So some things are going to be successful. Some things are not. Yeah. And it sounds like the unsuccessful part's going to be Sophia. <laughs> I think so. She was kind of left out of the planning anyway. She was like sort of just, you know, when you like, I've been in these situations where you're like the translator uh, in, a, in a situation and it's like, yeah, you don't have to understand that. That wasn't important. I'm not going to translate that because I'm trying to keep up. I think I feel like Rudabaker Baggins was in that situation where he was like, I'm yeah, we're talking really fast and like, well, I and think you need Sophia to... was just like no. I think okay, you need to go yeah, first. And they're trying to, to get in. I, I think we need to end on. How, how is she going to die? It's going to be a success. Houston, how about you? 
you take us to the success. I think that's fair. Well, okay. I also have. So I think I also have like some some like ending notes for uh, Smith, but okay. But finish the plot. I think first. I think basically Sophia gets the gist of what um what Smith is going to do. Like gets that like win their trust, whatever. But I think she like when she sees it going really well, she's like, okay, cool, let's do this, and she just goes in and uh, just just starts blasting you know with her with her <laughs> swords or whatever yeah i don't think i ever actually picked weapons for her she's a fighter um she's got a rapier how about a cool rapier for sophia before she dies um and it's a light she saber. goes in with two rapiers dual sword uh, very cool and she's just tacking away but she did, did hadn't thought about it any further she just kind of she trusted that smith what was going to set up a perfect situation for her and it, it just wasn't there i think she just dies instantly with that number one with that yeah. number one that i rolled on my she dad. runs in Blade is swinging and just gets cut down immediately before Smith even gets like the, 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 the word to jump into action. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, yeah, there was some, there was some, like <laughs> she thought it was going to be, she was waiting for an arf, but it was like a more of a bow wow. And she was like, I, I think that was it. And it goes. And it could have been a, yeah, it could have been a, like a translation issue because like Smith has been waiting to get the word, like in yeah. terms of like, he's in good with these people. He has not gone into bite mode. He's yet. waiting for like a whistle or for a now, or for a go, for him to switch to bite mode. And he didn't get that. He just saw that she I, came in. She jumped out of a tree, swinging her I blade. I propose immediately another he was like, addition what to was this. That you about, can reject Sophia? this outright if you want, Brian. Yeah, she sort of Leroy Jenkins did. Exactly, exactly. She was going with the undercover cop angle. And what if she just like snuck in to the competition and started like teaming up with the contestants there? They're, they did pretty well. And her whole thing is like, we're going to get up, and the smith is distracting them so they will the tieflings Ooh. the main tieflings will be vulnerable we're gonna get a clean shot in jeff probes um <laughs> that's gonna be a soundbite that's going to be taken out of context at some point um and she's going through and she's doing extremely well i think the fact that she's here <laughs> she caught on to this she she's doing really well possibly the best survivor contestant they've had um i think but she, she will, gets yeah. there and then she sees the tieflings. She sees Smith. And Smith is like, Arf, Arf. She's like, Home Dog's Bow Wow. Like, I was waiting for the Bow Wow. Uh, but one of her teammates, who was already a little nervous, of like, <laughs> she's pretty good. Like, it comes down to like a last man standing. She's going to win. And also, it looks like she's maybe cheating with this dog. Like, what's going on? So he just backstabs her straight away one of her teammates ah no that's more interesting because i feel like Wait. i feel like i wanted a one to be like a very bad like lame death but i think it should be a critical death the, you know you're saying i think you're right but it does need her? to be more heroic what was that who backstabs her just a fellow contestant okay. um are we bringing that back as a pre? okay yeah it's moss it's my moss character uh, from that episode, yes. Um, yep. From the the Moon Dust episode, what was his? Uh, his name was Etc. Um, Etc. Has been drafted into this. You know, he could he couldn't find another job um, after wow. the Moon Dust incident. Even though he was like a hero for a moment, it still was like hard for him to find a job. And so he did get recruited to the Survivor Games, and he came, but he was like very distrusting, and he he saw this this very confident woman. Uh, doing really well in the competition and just struck her down because <laughs> yeah. he was also cheating. He had some moon dust, moon dust poison 
that he had yeah. built a built a machine to inject or and, something. And I also like like to add a little bit more like drama to things here. I think since she came in so recklessly and she came in just sort of like yes, being a good player in the game, but not being a good team player in regards to what they had agreed upon as a you questing know, party. Yeah. Smith has kind of hung back because he's like, I don't trust her. Yeah, you know I'm not going to jump into action until I see what she's doing here because she's acting recklessly. Is a halfling yeah. who, so now after this incident, the tieflings uh, <laughs> yeah. are just like, uh, go on with your games. You're not done yet. Uh, we're just playing with this dog because it's a good, good boy. Go away. Um, so the other contestants run off. Uh, and and Smith is looking a little down, like he's got his tail between his legs, and his face is a little pouty because he just realized he may have not coordinated well um, and let his friend die. Sophia didn't coordinate well, but because no, 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 Sophia didn't coordinate. I'm building. I'm building stop, a narrative stop here. slandering Smith. I'm building a narrative here. He, Smith, I think it was Rudabaker Baggins' fault as the translator. Because he's there a good, good go. boy. He he doesn't blame anyone. He doesn't okay. cause it guilt to anyone. Smith is interpreting it that way. Little did he know he's playing the role so well that okay. the tieflings yeah. were so distracted like by this good good boy. And now they're so sad because he looks sad. Because they're like, oh, but he doesn't like he doesn't like seeing people die. Uh, I guess we'll have to keep him away. We better take mm. him better take him up to the island so he doesn't have to look at this. And as they're coming up this the spiral trail around this island cone, they come up and they don't notice the pterodactyl that has been circling the perimeter. And then as soon as these tieflings uh, breach the light. Or in the sun. Uh, I almost called him Tim Curry. Uh, Rude Baker Baggins falls from the sky, starts diving. And then he pulls out a bow and arrow, and he is an archery fighting style. <laughs> he quickly pulls out a finger and touches his arrow and casts Hunter's Mark. And then he pulls it out, and then in slow-mo, like Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom style, just unleashes a flurry of arrows on all these tieflings and he's put the the bat eyes on them so they're home. so he's just natural 20 after natural 20 on these guys takes them all out uh, but he goes for one last arrow and it's gone oh no nice. what do i do now <laughs> and that's when jeff probes pulls out his large crossbow he's getting ready and jeff probes is a sharpshooter as well and smith knows this and smith sees it Rude Baker Baggins sees it. Jeff Probes pulls back the crossbow, gets ready to shoot Rude Baker Baggins, who's fallen at him. That's when Smith jumps up and bites uh, Jeff Probes in the face. The arrow launches off into the side, shoots etc. Actually, uh, off in the distance, uh, and Smith just goes to town like Rocket Raccoon and Guardians yeah, of fine. the Galaxy Love Three it. on this man's face. He's actually a feral teeth dog, you might say. He just goes um, feral. Yes. Yeah. Just. Um, and then. Uh, in that moment. He, yes. he really sinks his teeth in. <laughs> yes. Thank you for just saying yes to my great joke. <laughs> yes. 
I understood the joke. It was so great. It didn't. It merited more than just a laugh. It merited a hearty agreement. Okay, thank you. I could tell you were you were grinning heartily. <laughs> um, and Rudabaga Baggins sees this and goes, "That's a good boy." And then Terry the pterodactyl flies down and uh, swoops underneath. Uh, Rude bigger baggins flies him over to the edge. Then Smith rolls over, and Rude bigger baggins just gives him the belly rub for like an hour straight. But nice. Okay. Are they leaving? Well, is this as they're flying? I like the idea that the, this belly rub is happening on on Pateri as they fly. Yes, away. but there's a, there's in there's some sunset. unfinished business. So can I step in here? Oh yeah. So they're as they're getting ready to fly off into the sunset because now they are brothers in arms. You might say. Um, Smith says, bark, bark, woof, 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 bark, 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 woof. And that means I have some unfinished business. Wait for me here. And this whole time that he's infiltrated this through his perception, he has known the exact location of a kidnapped dog named Wesson (gasps) that's been sequestered in a cage inside a cave. And he also knows the exact location of a certain Jidam right, and he can also perceive <laughs> that life has left that body. Oh. So he runs you over. should have done the corpse first. He runs over. Then, then ended with rescuing Wesson. Right? No, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm just going to oh, tell okay, you now. Here we go. He runs podcast. into the cave. He sees Weston. Tail wag, tail wag, tail wag. Weston sees him. No, 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 no. no. Just <laughs> let me finish. Wesson goes into the cave or Smith goes into the cave sees Wesson Wesson sees Smith they have a moment and Wesson looks him looks him in the eyes and they both tail wag and Wesson kind of gives a little as in he's actually he's the dog he's actually on blues clues um and he and that basically translates to I knew that you would come for me and Smith says of course you did and of course I have he goes, bites the cage apart, frees Wesson. And then he says, Whoa. brother, we have some unfinished business. They descend precariously down into the depths where they find their long lost master, friend, and father, Jedam Wright. <laughs> Clearly having been dead for a long time, being dogs, over five years at this point, actually. Yes, yes, yes. So essentially, it, <laughs> they find his skeleton with his guns on it, but through their perception abilities, they know it's him. And being dogs, they quickly dig a grave. They go find the best sticks you could possibly find. They put up a little memorial, and then together, they bite onto his two sidearms. They drag him into this grave that they have dug they put him there. They say their final woofs and they cover him in dirt. And then they look at each other and they say, it's now up to us to finish what he started. And Wesson looks back Ooh. and he says, I think I, I and Wesson looks back and says, woof, 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 which translates to, you're damn right. <laughs> and then they go up, having finished their unfinished business, and they find um, they find Ruderbaker Baggins. They find Ruderbaker Baggins again. They all get on top of the pterodactyl and they say, "All right, 
now we can go. We've defeated the enemy. We have said our goodbyes. Now we must go bring peace to this world. And as they fly off into the sunset, they start to hear <laughs> classic outro music, which I'm not sure if we're allowed to include or not, but it just sounds beautiful. We can imagine. We can imagine. <laughs> and uh, Weston says, Woof, woof, woof. And Ruder Baker back and says, Arf, arf, arf. Fade to black. Nice. Credits roll on season one. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for joining us for the first season of Questopedia. Um, This was uh, sort of our experimental season, as we explained in in, uh, episode zero. Um, We're kind of ready to start the, not the real, this was all real. No one can tell you otherwise. This was all real. Um, It it did happen. We did release it. Um, it was very dramatic and very good. We learned a lot about our world. Um, we are taking sort of a break um, so that we can have a reasonable sort of recording and editing schedule. We'll do some kind of bonus episodes before the next season. But yeah, we'll be taking like a little break and then we'll be back with season two. Figure out more of this world, more characters, more craziness. And that was up and by. Woof, woof, woof. Arf, bark. Bark. <laughs> <laughs>